0: <laughs> We're <being a> friend. <laughs> I, love I love it 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 how y'all doing Cornerstone What's up Yeah I love that that was great that was great now take that off my time Revelation <laughs> Revelation chapter one is where you can find me. Listen, it's so great to be back. Um, actually, it's chapter two, verse eight. Uh, it's so great to be back uh, here at Cornerstone. So good to have uh, Brian and Ryan just lead and worship. Aren't they absolutely just gifts, just gifts, just gifts. Uh, this week, I brought some CDs back in the back. So in between services, I'm gonna hang out at the bookstore, come by. These are messages that, uh, that have truly been a blessing to our church, uh, mainly because it's just the word of God and it's something about the word of God. Um, when, it, when it gets into your life, it'll change you. So there's several sermon series uh, that, that we brought that I'm really excited about. One that's uh, it's called Functional Families. It talks about, as parents, when to hold on to your kids and when to let go. Um, and as children, when to hold on to parents and when to let go, because there's some 30-year-olds who need to let go. Uh, amen? <laughs> huh? So, so that, that's one of the many sermons that just talks about life in the Word and what the Word has to say about how it is that we live. So back in the back in the bookstore, between services, I'll come hang out and I'll kiss babies and won't even ask you to vote for me. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just hang out. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, hear these words of our Father. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write these words, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege that we have to gather together here publicly. We didn't have to sneak in. We're not, we don't have security watching the door to make sure the authorities don't come in and shut us down, but here we can gather publicly and freely to declare your glory and declare the greatness of your name. And for that, Father, we are so grateful. We don't take it for granted. We are so thankful for the freedom that we have to worship you in spirit and truth. Now, Father, as we gather around your word, I pray that you would tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you, turn our hearts toward you, that we might experience all that you have for us. Father, it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things that you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Have your way in Cornerstone Church today. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. 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 There, are, there are things that just go together. There, there are things that just go together. Like, like peanut butter and jelly go together. Uh, macaroni and cheese uh, go together. You, you, you got some peanut butter, ain't got no jelly, you got a problem in my house. Uh, uh, hamburger and helper. Uh, that just goes together. You know what I mean? Ha- hamburger help. You got, you got help and no hamburger, you got a problem. Uh, many times that's all we had in my house was helper. We needed, we needed some hamburger. But the, those things just go together, you know? And there, there are things that just don't go together. There are things that just absolutely positively they don't go together. Like, like, like black people in hiking. They don't go together. They don't they don't, and I know inevitably stereotypes that people always say, well, I, I'm a black person and I go hiking. Well, that's two of you. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, we, we just don't go hiking. They're just, they're just cultural things that just don't go together for us. And, and I love my friend Brian LaRitz. He'll, he'll tell you, you can look at the news and just see stuff and just hear a report. And you'll just say, no, that ain't us. That ain't our, that ain't, that ain't our people. You know, you, like, like this, you'll hear a man mauled by bear. That ain't us. <laughs> ain't I, ain't I our people. You, 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 know, you know why I know that ain't somebody but Because we ain't nowhere where bears just going to be roaming around. <laughs> See, we ain't up there. Them, them white people up there hiking, that's who that was. You know? That's that we, that's ain't up there, you know? There are just some things that don't go together. Uh, and our text today, the Church of Revelation Jesus Christ is writing a letter and he's encouraging the church to bring something together that doesn't go together. Uh, uh, This church is experiencing persecution. Uh, They're living in a time where Caesar worship is at an all-time high, and because of their commitment to Jesus Christ and the gospel, they refuse to bow down and worship Caesar. So they're literally being persecuted. They're in the process of mourning the death of their bishop. Bishop Polycarp was publicly murdered. He was martyred because of his faith, because of his belief in Jesus Christ, and the pursuit was intensifying, and they were experiencing suffering at a whole new high. They were experiencing suffering in a way that it never had happened before, and Jesus Christ writes them this letter, and he says, I want you to bring two things together. I want you to bring together joy and suffering. In, in, in our minds, those two things don't go together. You, you want to talk about things that stand at the very opposite of each other, especially now in our Christian theology, oftentimes we feel that being a Christian means that I'll always have joy and never have suffering. It's not the truth. Jesus tells his church, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your suffering, I need you to be faithful and experience and find the joy of the Lord. This morning, I wanna talk about two things that don't go together. I wanna talk about joy and suffering. And how this literally rails against the culture, it rails against the fabric of our Christianity because right now we got a lot of pulpits that push this bless me, bless me theology that Jesus Christ exists to bless me and his existence is for my life to be comfortable and pleasurable. We treat God like he's the captain of a cruise ship. Anybody ever been on a cruise ship? On a cruise ship from beginning to end, their sole purpose is to make sure you're as comfortable and as pleasured as possible. The captain of the ship is walking around. He wanna make sure that you have enough food. They have, a, you, have you, got a, you got a buffet at 12 o'clock midnight. Of course you have enough food. You know what I mean? Are you, are you comfortable? But his job is to make sure that you are comfortable and that all your pleasures have been satisfied. And unfortunately, we bring a cruise ship theology to God and we think that God's job in our lives is to make sure that we're as comfortable and as pleasured as possible when really God is more like a battleship captain. Anybody ever seen a battleship before? Oh, ain't no pool on the deck of the battleship. You, you got big old guns. And let me tell you something, they don't care nothing about your comfort. I sat down, my butt was hurting for two hours. Ain't no cushion on the seats on the battleship because it's not about your pleasures. It's not about your comfort captain of that ship will walk around and he says, my sole purpose is to make sure that this battleship fulfills its mission. And that's what's most important. And for those of you that have enlisted in this army that we call the body of Christ, the family of God, Jesus Christ, our sole purpose is to fulfill the mission of God. And the captain of this ship has not come to make sure that you're comfortable and that all your pleasures are met. He's come to make sure that his father's mission and purpose for this world is being fulfilled. With that means, if you name the name of Jesus Christ and if you are going to follow him, don't move too quickly, but first, you got to pick up your cross and follow him. You will have trials. You will have sacrifice. You will have to suffer. But what I want you to understand and what I want you to see this morning as we learn from the church at Smyrna is how to find joy in your suffering. And when you follow Jesus Christ, joy and suffering go together. It goes together in your Life. The three things I want to bring out in this text that'll help us to see joy in suffering. The first thing you got to see, if you want to find joy in your suffering, you got to have the eternal perspective, uh, eternal perspective. Jesus starts and he introduces himself in the text and he says, first of all, you need to understand who I am. He says, I am the first and the last. Uh, I am the alpha, I am the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the... Uh, you, you, you can hit rewind and go all the way back to the beginning of time, and you'll see I am is there. You can hit fast forward, go all the way to the end of time, you can see that I am is there. I am the first, I am the last, I am the alpha and the omega, I am the beginning and the end. I want you to understand the bigness and the greatness of your God. He says, I am in all things, I am of all things, all things that exist came from me. Y'all, y'all not getting it? Uh, let me help you. Uh, The guy standing right there, uh, right in front of that side panel right there. Would you stand up right there? All the way in the back, the guy that's looking at me. Uh, Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You stand up right there, all right? Listen, when I say, I am the first, I want you to say, yeah, really, really loud. You got it? I am the first. Okay. um, (laughs) When I was thinking really, really loud, I was thinking that meant like really, really loud, okay? I-, I need them to be able to hear you all the way over there. I am the first. Yeah! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There you go, there you go. Let me get, let me get my man sitting next to that young lady right there in front of that last panel right there. Let's stand up. When I say the last, I want you to say yeah really loud. I am the last. Yeah! Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on, I didn't tell you to sit down. Stand up, stand up, stand up, what you do? Stay, stay standing up, stay standing up. I am the first. I am the last. Yeah. And sir, can I get you? Let me get you right here. <laughs> Just hop up. Just hop up. Can you do that? There you go. Oh, there you go. Sucky sucky now. All right, come on. All right. All right. All right. I am the first. Yeah. I am the last. Yeah. God is saying, I am eternal. Uh, they, 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 this, this, they represent the span of time. They represent the bigness and the greatness of time. And this is us. What's your name? Brent. Brent, this is Brent. Brent doesn't live outside of eternity, but he lives in time. So he stands in time. And in time, you need to know that in your time, God is the first. He is the last. And not only that, but he says, right now in your time, where you are, he is the right now. He's present with you. He says, not only am I the first, I'm the last, but I'm the living of the dead. He says, I was standing outside of eternity, but I saw you needed help navigating, getting yourself from time to eternity. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity, stepped in time, died, rose again with all power. Now he's here interceding on our behalf, helping us to navigate time. He's helping us to go from time to eternity. So he says, "I am the first, yeah. I am the last, yeah. and I am the right now." When I yeah. Listen. When I when I say right now, y'all say yeah, all right? I am the first, yeah. I am the last, yeah. and I'm the right now. Yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I love it. So so here's the deal. He says, I, I, am in et- I, I, am, I, I exist in eternity, but I've stepped into time to help you navigate your time so that you might go from time to eternity. I'm trying to help you get the eternal perspective. Let me break it on down. Y'all, y'all stay right there. Don't move. It's, it's kind of like this. My little girl, Bethany, who's four years old, she turns four August 18th. She was playing with two other friends the other day, and as they were playing, she you know, found herself in need uh, of, 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 a, of a beverage to quench her thirst. So her and her friends came to the kitchen, made a request of her mother and I, may we have nourishment to quench our thirst. We said to her, surely, request granted, and we offered there for their, for, for their palates Capri sons. Uh, we, we gave all three of them Capri sons. Well there, uh, Bethany, uh, in her desire to quench her thirst, she consumed all of her Capri Sun while her other two friends only consumed half of their Capri Sons, replaced it, and went and continued to play. Well, Bethany continued to play, and after about 30 minutes, they found themselves in need of nourishment once again. So they came back, and upon returning to the kitchen, her friends remembered, we only consumed half of our beverage. So they began to drink the rest of their Capri son, while young Bethany, to her dismay, remembered that she had consumed all of her Capri son. and it is upon that realization that she makes yet another request to her mother and I. She makes a request for now a second Capri son. Upon counsel, her mother and I denied that request. <laughs> and it is upon that denial when young Bethany began to have literally an emotional breakdown. Uh, <laughs> Bethany began to scream to the top of her lungs, I want a Capri Sun! I want a Capri Sun! All I wanted was a Capri Sun! Give me a Capri Sun. And literally for the next 10, 15 minutes, she began to emotionally fall to pieces. She, it, it 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 moved up, and she moved up to the steps, and she was just crying, I want a Capri Sun, I want a Capri Sun, tears streaming down her face. Her mother and I, after a while, thought it was funny. We started making up a dance. I want a Capri, hey, I want a Capri, hey. And then she just gone on till, till the point where she literally passes out in the bed. I want a Capri Sun, tears streaming down her face, and she falls asleep, drooling, begging for a Capri Sun. Now, here's the deal. In her three-year-old mind, that Capri Sun was a big deal. But see, I'm 34 years old, and her mother is 33 years old, so... (laughs) So we know that in the scope of time, What seems like a crisis and a big deal right now really ain't a big deal because of our experience, we know that in about uh, an hour and a half, you won't even remember this Capri Sun. And true to form, she got up, didn't even remember what had happened. What am I trying to say? I'm saying that God stands outside of time and in eternity. And although you may be faced with something that's real big and overwhelming right now, God says when you have the eternal perspective and remember that I am the first, I am the last, and I am the right now, yeah. What seems like an insurmountable mountain right now, if you just stay with me and trust me, I will guarantee you this too shall pass. You just got to remember that you serve an eternal God, a God that's in the beginning, that's in the end, and in the right now. And he'll help you navigate this Capri sun size storm in your life. He says, come me real quick. He he says, in the midst of the crisis, all you can see is the crisis. He he says, all you see, you be the crisis. You represent Capri Sun, uh, which is great because you got the frosty hair. Put your hands up and just like like look frantic, look frantic. See, all you see is the crisis. All you see is the storm. All you see is the struggle. But if you put your eyes on God and see God, he will give you his eternal perspective and the… The Bible says he will literally give you a peace that passes understanding. He'll give you a peace, and as you grab hold of God and grab onto his peace, it'll pass your understanding. What that means, did you see what just happened? What that means is that the storm, and this is all you can understand, but he'll give you a peace that'll pass your understanding, and you won't even be focused on the storm, although the storm is still there. The struggle's still there, but he's giving you a peace that's brought you past the storm. How, how, how do you have peace and, the, and you still got the cancer? It doesn't make sense, does it? Because God has given me a peace that passes my understanding. And not only will He give you a peace that passes under your understanding, but He says, I'll guard your heart and your mind because He knows how easy it is for us to be brought back to worry. See, some of you take your prayers to God like you take out the garbage. Uh, you, you take them and then you leave them, but then some of you, you take them You leave them, then you pick them back up, and you bring them back inside. You understand what I'm saying? Now, how crazy would it be for you to take out your garbage, and then after two hours, you bring it back inside the house? (laughs) We need to get you checked out for something, don't we? Some of us, that's what we do to God. We bring our prayers, and we leave them. Then we pick them back up, and we worry all the way home. He says, I'm going to give you a peace that's going to pass understanding, and then I'm going to guard your heart and mind, and I'm going to keep you from going back and worrying and grabbing the things of your past. You see, you see what I'm saying? He says, he says I'm going to guard you. Brent, Brent, try to come back. Try to come back. And get him. Try to come back. He says, I'm, I'm going to guard you, and I'm going to keep you, and when you want to worry, I'm going to guard your heart and your mind, and I'm going to keep you stayed on me. You get it? See, because in this process with God, and as you get the eternal perspective, he'll begin to teach you the difference between the facts and the truth. I love it, Bishop Kenneth Alma says, you gotta learn the difference between the facts and the truth. The fact is, you cried yourself to sleep last night and you're having a hard time, but the truth is, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The yeah. fact is, the, the, the fact is, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time, I feel all by myself, I feel like I'm isolated, I feel like I'm all alone, but the truth is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The fact is, you feel like people are coming against me, people are opposing me, people are coming against me, people are trying to destroy me, but the truth is, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ah, yeah. oh, the fact is, The fact is, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to resign. I can't take it anymore. That's the fact. But the truth is, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. The truth is, if you just wait on God, God is faithful and well able to keep you, and He will bring you out. But it's only when you get the eternal perspective, you got to remember that the Lord is the first, yeah. He is the last, and He is the right now. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. You've you, you got to get this eternal perspective. The second thing you got to do is you got to make second death investments. Uh, second death investments. He… Jesus says to the church of Smyrna, he says, I know you have nothing, but you have everything. He he says, you're poor, but you're rich. see, 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 they're literally being persecuted so much so that Businesses won't even entertain them. They, they're being persecuted by these would-be Jews who are, who are selling them out to Caesar, snitching on them, saying, saying, they're not worshiping Caesar, they're not worshiping Caesar. And they would come, and the authorities would come in and shut them down, and they would shut down their businesses, make it hard for them to develop economic wealth. So, so they were literally being persecuted, not just physically, but financially. And Jesus is saying to them, I know you're poor, but you're rich. It's kind of like in Mark, the rich young ruler. You know the rich young ruler, this guy who comes to Jesus, who has all this wealth, and he comes to Jesus and he says, what, what, what do I have to do uh, to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? Uh, I, I've kept the law. I've followed all the religious rules. I've done all the, I've done all the right stuff. What, what else do I have to do? And Jesus says, it's simple. Sell all you have. Give to the poor. Come and follow me. And the man pauses, drops his head, And he mourns because he was rich, but he had nothing. Do do, do you see it? See, see, here's a man who had everything, but at the end of the day, he had nothing. Friends, let me tell you something. When you die, there will not be a U-Haul truck behind your hearse. When when you you die, they ain't going to say, oh, Uncle Jimmy, dead, let's go get Uncle Jimmy's couch because Uncle Jimmy loves this couch and he's going to want to take this couch with him. That couch ain't going to do Uncle Jimmy no good. I I went to a funeral, they put a cell phone in the funeral, in the the casket. He ain't calling nobody where he going. (laughs) I mean, I get the sentimental value and all that, kind of. but let's come on, let's be honest. He ain't calling nobody where he going to be. You know what I mean? They put glasses on him. He can't see... When we invest in the things of this world, you need to understand they're not going to make it past death. And then there was one lady that tried. There was one, one guy who tried. He said he, he married this younger girl. His family didn't like it. He got a prenup. He said, all right, if we're going to get married, when I die, I want all my money to go in the casket with me made her sign the legal document that she would do it. Well, sure enough, when he died, his family wanted to make sure she put all of his money in the casket. So she had a, a closed funeral where nobody else could come to. And the family didn't believe she did it, so so they, they took her to court and they had on the witness stand, did you put all of his money in the casket? She said, yes I did. She said, ma'am you're under oath did you put all of his money in the casket? She said, yes I did. She said, ma'am, how did you do it? She said, I wrote him a check. I don't know if he's going to be able to cash it or not, but that's between him and (laughs) whether he's going to be. But I wrote him a check. (laughs) We've got to make investments in this world that are eternal investments and not temporal investments. But we've become so consumed with the things of this world, sometimes I wonder, as you look at a church like Smyrna in the book of Revelation where they were being persecuted like they were being persecuted, sometimes I wonder… What does persecution look like for us? Here we're able to gather and worship freely. No persecution, no people coming. We got opposition, but we fight opposition by going to buy Chick-fil-A sandwiches, you know what I mean? It's like, and and nothing's wrong with that, it's not big but 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 when you look at the Church of Revelation, it's a different kind of story. People were giving their lives. You gotta ask yourself the question. Maybe our persecution isn't poverty and desperation. Maybe our persecution is our comfort and our pleasures. Maybe Satan said, instead of taking stuff away from them, let's give them everything they want. And they'll become so connected to their things that they'll miss the affection for their God. I love it. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Tim Keller says, we're not poor in spirit, We're middle class in spirit. We're middle class. If I lost blank, I don't think I could live. If I lost blank, I don't think I could live. What do you fill the blank in with? If it's anything outside of God, then my brother, my sister, it's an idol. Hello. Because some of us got some good things in the blank. If I lost my kids, if I lost my wife, that's cute, that's loving, and that's romantic, but they can become an idol. I'm going to pause and let you think on that. God says if anything in your life is in the center and in the core of your life, that's not me, then it's an idol. Whether it's good things, whether it's bad things, some of you is pornography, some of you it's addiction, some of you is your own identity, some of you is your insecurity, some of you is your work ethic, some of you it's your success and your, it's not your failures that's messing you up, it's your success. You're so arrogant and so egotistical you've deceived yourself into thinking that you got you to where you are instead of knowing that it was God who got you to where you are. If there's anything in that space outside of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the one that is, that was, and that is to come, I'm sorry, it is an idol. We need to invest in the things in this world that'll bring God glory in that world. Because we won't be here long, friends, and we will stand before God, and we can't bring our cars and our bonds and our square footage before the kingdom of God and have Him to be impressed with it. It's like, oh, you got a great house. Yeah, I built the world. You got, you got to come over, you, you know the grand, the grand Canyon? Yeah, that was me. That was me. I'm not impressed with your, with your granite countertops and with your $900 scroller for your little baby. I'm not impressed with that. Can you believe a stroller will cost nine? I ain't got time to talk about that. I ain't got time. But if you want to find joy in suffering, you got to have an eternal perspective and you got to invest in the things not in this world but the things that are of the kingdom of God because the things of this world will fade away. Finally, you got to have eternal perspective. You got to have second death investments and you got to have a fearless faith. Hear what Jesus says to this church. It's, It's one of the most discouraging passages you'll find in scripture. He says, I know it's bad. I know you're having a hard time. I know people are being persecuted and people are losing their life. I see your struggle, I see the suffering, and I know it's bad, it's worse now than it's ever been. And you would think, all right, well, great. Here comes the good news. Here comes the new, you know what he says next? He says, it's gonna get worse. He says it's bad now, but it's gonna get worse because Satan is coming and he's gonna take you away. The text says he's gonna take you away for 10 days and this 10 days has been theologically debated by theologians throughout history. But here's the bottom line. I I follow the school of thought that 10 days is not this time and then after 10 days you're going to be set free. 10 days during this time and during the culture, most most scholars would agree with me, is about the time that it took for you to be convicted, sentenced, and put to death. And you'll notice that the next line he says after that, he says, so be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. On to death. you got to have a fearless faith and a faith that will keep you even if it gets worse before it gets better. Whew. Who preaches that today? Who's, who says that? It's, it's one of those things that you just want to rip out of the Bible. Because God, you're saying that, that my cancer may get worse. You, you're saying that the grief that I'm feeling may get worse. He said it may even lead to death, but the good news is death doesn't have the Word, I am the Alpha and the Omega, and I am the right now, and I have victory and power over death, so don't even be afraid of death. He said, He says, if you're faithful, the second death, you'll find no harm. And in the book of Revelation, you hear this language. He talks about a victor's crown, a victor's crown, and it has the language that we've been seeing if you've been watching television, the Olympics. You notice that once they win a medal, they have this time where the one who wins first place stands in the center, then they stand over here and they award medals. Well, back then they would have something like the Olympic Games, but instead of awarding medals, they would give these crowns that are woven on the head. They wear these beautiful crowns and they would have a victor's circle. Jesus is saying if you're faithful, if you walk by faith and not by fear, one day you're going to stand before me in the victor's circle, and I will give you a crown of life. But you got to be faithful, even unto death. I was in middle school when my mother told us that um, she was pregnant. Uh, my mother is well into her 40s at that time, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, uh, how how did you get pregnant? Because I know what it takes to get pregnant, and you shouldn't be doing that at your age. Uh, I was a middle school student. As a 34-year-old, now I'm hoping that, that, you know, that, you know... Anyway, anyway, it's a different sermon. Um, I I remember being in middle school, finding out my my mother was pregnant, and because she was in her 40s and um, uh, her health wasn't where it should have been... Um, I'll never forget, I was around fifth period, and I got the call that they had taken mom to the hospital. Uh, because of high blood pressure, they had to take my little sister out early. Her name was Bethany. Uh, we named our second daughter after her. Uh, my little sister, Bethany, only lived for about 40 days. Um, she was born premature. I remember going to the hospital, and, visiting her. They would have her in the in the, in the little glass box there and they put the camera in. you could watch her. And then every now and then a couple of times throughout the day, you can go in and watch and look at her. I remember mom holding her. Uh, and I remember the day that we brought her home for the first and the last time. We lived in Pearl, Mississippi. This was back in the early 90s, it seems morbid now, but we had our own garden memorials, we had our own funeral grounds. Uh, My grandfather's buried there, all my relatives are buried there, and they let us bring little Bethany home. Um, I remember being in our van, I remember being in our family van, and seeing Bethany's, her her body there, and, and saying, this is Bethany's first ride in the family van, and just, and, and I, it's this crazy scene. We're in the living room. My grandfather is out in the backyard cutting wood, building a casket for baby Bethany, where we would go over several hours later and bury her. But I remember waiting and sitting in our living room, and my Aunt Ernestine and my great Aunt Vicky came over, and my mom, and we're sitting around in the living room, sisters and dad, and we're sitting around, and, and they're holding Bethany. And they're looking at her and they're saying, look at her, she's. She's got Cunny's eyes. Look at her. She's got... She's got Sterling's nose. Look at her. She's so cute. And they're passing around. And in that room, in that moment, I can still see us sitting around. We were singing. And people would come over and we would pray together. And then we would cry. And then we would laugh. And we would sing. And we would pray. And we would cry. And we would laugh. And in that moment, we had at the centerpiece of the room this suffering. But also at the same time, there was this joy, this joy that didn't make sense. We weren't in denial. We just knew the real reality that Paul told the church at Thessalonica. He says, I will not have you ignorant concerning those who are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout and the dead in Christ will be the first to rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up and we gather together and we knew sitting there in that living room it wasn't time to say goodbye. We were just saying goodnight because we would see baby Bethany in the morning." Although it didn't end well, it was well. Do do, do you understand what I'm saying? In in that room, suffering and joy lived together. Uh, It's like the writer Horatio Stafford. 1871, his four-year-old son died in 1873. He lost his business in the great Chicago fires. There, a few years later, he sends his wife and his four daughters over to Europe for a family vacation where he would meet them later. On their way, they shipwrecked, ran into another sea vessel. All four daughters died, and it's there where we See the now-famous telegram that came back to Horatio from his wife where, he said, where she says, saved alone. He boarded a ship, grieving, tears running down his face. He gets to the place in the ocean where he believes his four daughters died. He got a pen and wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The Lord shall descend and the trump shall sound. Even so, it is well, it is well with my soul. You want to have joy in suffering? You got to have the eternal ex- perspective. You got to see God for the great, mighty, powerful God that He is you got to make second death investments. Don't become entangled with the things of this world. Invest in the things of God and have a fearless faith even unto death because death doesn't have the final say. Have a faith that says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Father, I thank you so much. I pray for everyone that's struggling and suffering today. I pray for everyone that's fighting the good fight of faith. God, I dare not stand here trying to minimize their problems, but Father, through the power of your word, I pray that we would maximize our God and see how great and how big and how powerful you are. Father, help us to see you for who you are. Help us to make investments in things of your kingdom and not of this world. Give us a faith that will finish well so we could stand in the victor's circle and declare it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen.